Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is Sunday, February 5th, 2023. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take. As we try to keep up with the legislature, I think it's important on these Sunday mornings to kind of do a deeper dive in topics like education last week. This week, we're going to look at the Iron Range, the state of the Iron Range. I think we all hear about the Iron Range, but I think this week we should hear from the Iron Range. We'll have Commissioner Ida Rukavina and Representative Spencer Igo talking about kind of what are the issues of the Iron Range and, and where are the opportunities? Because it is such a vital part of not just Minnesota's economy, but the global economy. And then the take, you know, another speedy week from Governor Walls signing the Crown Act to the 2040 energy plan being passed by the Senate. Um, there's still a pace at the legislature that may have some future ramifications that maybe legislators aren't thinking about. And then there's another report out from the legislative auditor that should just all make us acknowledge that maybe we, if we're going to have big government in Minnesota, that the government should work to work and make it better uh, is bureaucracy is sometimes clumsy and careless. I'm Blaise Olson. When we come back, Representative Spencer Igo, on what he sees are the issues of the Iron Range. The first interview this week on Sunday Take is with Representative Spencer Igo. He is a legislator from the Iron Range. Uh, he's a Republican. Uh, and, you know, as we try to frame up this week in, in the Iron Range, which is, is always talked about, but maybe not heard from as much as it needs to be. I thought his perspective would be good. Thanks for joining me, Representative. Yeah, absolutely. Blaise. Thanks for having me. Hey, so um, just, you know, in general, we hear a lot about the range. We hear about new mining. We hear about iron ore mining. We hear about tourism. What's your sense of the mood of the range right now? Well, you know, there's a lot of excitement up here, right? Because, you know, we've always talked about the representatives and senators before me. You know, mining is our past, present, and future. But now more than ever, mining really is set to become the future economy uh, for not only just northeastern Minnesota and the Iron Range, Minnesota and our country as a whole. You know, if we're talking about anything, whether it be a renewable energy future, whether it be about having life-saving technologies, it all starts with the critical minerals we have in the ground up here. Um, and the people from Grand Rapids to Ely, uh, the miners, right, the Iron Rangers, 
Yeah. We're really excited to be able to offer that opportunity. Uh, and that's what we're kind of on fire for. And that's one of the big things that sent me and the rest of the range delegation down this year is to tell that story. Talk about that because obviously I watch my listeners hear about, we write about the politics of the iron range, this traditionally historic DFL stalwart place. It's now, I think the iron range delegation is now officially uh, majority Republican, but there's one thing about Rangers is that you're a Ranger first, and then you kind of work through uh, the partisans uh, issues. Is the delegation united, or or how is the delegation working through these issues? Because you also have new members of the delegation this time after you know some iconic ones have stepped aside. Oh, you know, I mean, it's a valid question. I mean the. The delegation the first time ever, like you said, a Republican majority, um, and it's a Republican majority with new members. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you I mean, the only returning members of the range delegation are uh, me, Representative Lissagard, and Senator Eichhorn. Everyone else is brand new. And when you really compile that, I mean, just between, um, you know, the losing, uh, you know, sadly, you know, Senator Thomasoni and um, Senator Bach retiring, I mean, that's over 70 years combined legislative experience for the range. That's yeah. now gone. Uh, and we're kind of working through um, how we're going to continue messaging. I think you're 100% right. You know, we are Rangers first uh, before we join our independent caucuses. And there's a lot of history behind that, right? You know, the most ethnically diverse place in Minnesota is Minnesota's Iron Range. You know, it was just a year or two ago, they discovered it was 43 different ethnicities that dot the whole range that kind of came together and built this area that built a nation and won world wars. Uh, and that kind of pride for our region, but also that collective we need to work together and stay together is incredibly strong. Um, and this, you know, new delegation brings a whole bunch of energy with that. Uh, and then, you know, the experience of myself, uh, Representative Lissigar and Senator Eichhorn, we're working with those new members and saying, here's the strategies that have always worked. How can we combine even more? Or what are some new messaging tactics we can use to really elevate our region? Some of the debate discussion um, feels oftentimes as though um, and these are my words, as though people, uh, you know, from the cities or outside groups, uh, maybe even Duluth, which is not part of the range. I want everybody to be clear that I know that. Um, <laughs> yep. No, it that, is not. <laughs> but but that those voices um, try to speak for the range or tell the range what they should do or shouldn't do. And meanwhile, the range in a, in a way of, um, I would just say a personality is is stubborn and and kind of wants to speak for itself. So as you talk about kind of amplifying those voices, trying to get that excitement that you talk about, about the opportunities on the range out, uh, you're probably not going to convince the activist community, but how do you, how do you work with somebody like the governor on those issues? How do you make sure that the, you know, our next conversation is going to be with commissioner Rukavina? How do you make sure that 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 it's coordinated and and what are the two or three themes you want to make sure everybody hears about where the greatest opportunity is for the range right now and and that Minnesota as a state and as a country and maybe in the world that we take advantage of that. You know, absolutely a good point. And you know, since I entered the legislature a few years ago, that's been something I've kind of been leading on. Um let's use House File 7 as an example when I talk about the range. You know, House File 7 looking to make Minnesota, you know, uh, uh, renewable energy by 2040. Well, I was making point, you know, I serve on the Energy Committee or even on the House floor. This goal that we're trying to to reach 
is unattainable without Minnesota, without Minnesota's iron range. You know, even saying like, I, I don't even disagree. Let's have a diverse energy portfolio. Let's let's build this out with Minnesotan labor. Let's build this out with Minnesotan jobs. But we can't do it without the range. You know, we can't be dependent on China. We can't be dependent on Indonesia. We can't be dependent on Africa. So the thing is, is that we have these critical minerals of copper, nickel, uh, et cetera. Um, and really, it's like you said, breaking through the activists and really trying to realize that we're trying to be an advocate for the same thing. You know, the only reason we won World War II is because of Minnesota's Iron Range. You know, without that steel that built the tanks and the planes, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And now if we want to build this technological future, if we want to build a renewable energy future, it starts here in northern Minnesota. And that's one way that I've been trying to really, it's like I have to reach in the middle to talk about this. But I'm trying to be this person. And I think the other members of the, of the delegation are trying to do the same thing and say, listen, we're not trying to be these stubborn, um, stalwart kind of representatives and senators that are saying, you know, it's our way or the highway. We're trying to adapt with the messaging and say, listen, we just have the best place to do it. Come learn from us, get educated. And I think maybe that's been kind of the gap, right? We've always had great representation on the range telling our story. But in regards to everything else, there's been decades now where activist type groups have been able to define what we do on the Iron Range. Um, and we need to start combating that messaging and really kind of speaking the facts about how we've been mining safely and securely for over 140 years. My guest is Representative Spencer Igo. He's a state representative from uh, the Iron Range, Northern Minnesota. Um, and we're talking about the state of the range this week on Sunday. Take uh, Talk about the other things. We talk about mining, but forestry, tourism. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to ask Commissioner Rukavina about, you know, all these city slickers who, you know, now that they can work anywhere, want to want to live on the range and work from the range. Are there other things that that the range needs from the state uh, or uh, is, you know, is kind of trying to figure out like housing, like child care that that are issues across the state? Yeah, you know, uh, you kind of hit all of them right there, right? You know, between housing is a huge issue because like you said, we, we saw it actually. There's data to project it when, when COVID came and people realized, wow, wait a second, I don't need to live in Minneapolis, St. Paul or the Metro and I can live up north on the range have high speed uh, internet access and I can, you know, buy this piece of land and turn it into my home. People did that. Uh, and we're welcoming that with open arms. But the one thing that came with that is we saw property values increase and we also have a housing shortage at the same time. You know, Itasca County, for instance, saw the second highest property value increase in the state of Minnesota. I think the average increase was 29%. Well, that's an increase to everyone's property taxes. That's an issue we're seeing across the range, by the way. Uh, you know, homestead tax relief is something that we are talking about as a delegation. Also, the need for just more housing. We have expansion opportunities happening up and down the range, but we don't have the houses for everyone to live in. Um, Another way that the range delegation is working, we're trying to find ways to say, listen, how can we streamline the process to, to bring housing availability? How can we make it so that our contractors can build houses? Um, that's huge. Obviously, always continuing the expansion of broadband and then childcare, right? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing with childcare that I hear is the days of, you know, the stay-at-home mom or dad or grandparent down the street that would watch a few kiddos a week is over. And now yeah. we've created this huge gap. Um, and especially in the Iron Range where community is our pillar, that has just been a, a huge problem for our community. Because, I mean, even myself, right? I mean, there was when I was growing up, I would just walk down the street um, yeah. and hang out with the neighbor kids. And there's a stay-at-home mom, and everyone took turns buying groceries and stuff. That's gone. Well, that's a pillar of who we are in the Iron Range. We need to find ways to bring that back 
because that's how we're going to couple that with expanding housing and expanding opportunity up here in the range. As we wrap up, um, talk about just the the legislature has been on this kind of breakneck pace. The issues have been kind of outlier, very DFL centric kind of base issues for the DFL. What should people look for that, you know, in the budget or some other discussions where either you and Democrats can work together on something or where the range, which is bipartisan in their delegation, might be able to, you know, move some stuff forward that, you know, isn't shiny objects that have gotten done in the first few weeks? Yeah, well, you know, and Blaise, that's a great point. You know, I mean, it's been a breakneck speed. And a lot of these bills, this policy that we're passing, I mean, I didn't hear about this once in the campaign trail. Um, I don't get emails saying, thank goodness this is happening. In fact, I get emails quite the contrary. What is going on? These are not the priorities of Northern Minnesota. Um, and I think I mentioned some already. That homestead tax relief, right? Streamlining childcare. Like, these are the things that people want. This isn't a red or a blue issue. This is right in the middle. And, and I would go out on a limb to say most of the issues that the range carries have always been in the middle. You want a better representation of how, you know, you work across party lines. I mean, look at the legacy that like a Senator Thomasoni left in the Minnesota legislature as a guy that both sides of the aisle respected and adored because that's what he worked on. You know, his, you know, all of his work on higher education. I mean, look what it did for our, our greater Minnesota colleges. These are the things that we can work to the middle on. I mean, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, why haven't we removed the tax on social security? I mean, I think every single person that campaigned across the state heard about that. And on the range where we have aging communities, that is a front of mind issue for them, especially when we have inflation, you know, through the roof and, and costs are going up. If we could find a way to put more money in people's pocket right now, and we have a very common sense way to do it. That's what they want done. And I'm going to continue to be an advocate for that along with the rest of the range, because like you said, mining's our past, present and future, but between housing, between childcare, these are things we have to do to make sure our region can expand and welcome the next generation. Representative Vago, I know we'll be talking down the line. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Next up, Commissioner Ida Rukavina on why she wanted the job and what she sees as the future of the range from the Walls administration. I'm Blois Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on WCCO. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Our final guest today on Sunday Take is Commissioner Ida Rukavina. She's been named the commissioner of the Iron Range Rehabilitation Resource Board. I never really remember all the IRRRB, so that's what we'll call it. Uh, Commissioner, thanks for joining me. Thank you, boys. I can clarify that for you. It's the Department of Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. Thank you. See, I knew that it was a department because you're now a commissioner, but that's 
all the uh, that's all the history. Um, people, let's just start. People may know the Rukavina name. It is a uh, legendary name on the range. What's your connection to the Rukavina name? Talk about your family's roots on the Iron Range. Yeah, so I am, I guess, the uh, fourth generation of um, my family living on the Iron Range. My great-grandparents immigrated here from Finland, Croatia, and Italy. Um, and so my the name Rukavina is Croatian. Uh, my dad... Tom Rukavina was a state representative for many years, representing um, the core, you know, one of the core districts on the Misabi Iron Range. Um, so long, long history of involvement with public service. My grandpa was a miner, and he also ran for office at one point. He wasn't successful, but, um, you know, representing people in our region um, runs in our family, I guess you could say. Well, I think that's what uh, I wanted to make sure we highlighted here because the roots are deep and uh, your father was one of the great educators of me on the history of the range, the families of the range, uh, and the and the and what the range meant to the world, to the United States, and obviously to Minnesota. As you take on this role, um, you know, I would just, where do you see kind of the priorities uh, of the Iron Range? Where are your where's your kind of vision as you met with the governor what did you share about how you would represent the range back to his administration and vice versa making sure his administration knew uh, about what the people and the issues of the iron range were um yeah well the uh former commissioner mark phillips um kind of knew was possibly going to retire and so when this opportunity came up i decided to put my name in for applying for commissioner because um, the Iron Range is, I'm very committed and very passionate about the Iron Range, as many of us rangers are. Um, I love living in northern Minnesota. I live in the country out in the woods. Um, I want to raise my children here. Um, and I want those opportunities for everyone who wants that, to whether they are originally from the range, whether they want to come back, or whether there's new people coming up to the Iron Range. Um, I want to ensure that people can raise a family that we have good schools, that we have good jobs, good quality of life. So when the opportunity came up, um, you know, again, it's more of a sense of responsibility because this department is so important to the Iron Range and to all of the communities. Um, I wanted to make sure that someone was going to be very committed to our region and to apply for this position um, because the next four years are, you know, like, like any of the next four years are going to be challenging and I wanted someone committed to the Iron Range, and that's why I applied. One of the issues is iron ore mining. Um, you know, it's it's had its ebbs and flows. Where does it stand now? There was recently a Supreme Court case that, you know, could open up more land for leasing uh, and mines. Um, is that, do you see that as a good opportunity? Meanwhile, one of the, you know, mines is, uh, one of the facilities has been closed down, and We've had to extend unemployment benefits. Give a state of where the best opportunities are in the near term for economic development and jobs on the range. Um, yeah, so our agency was created over 80 years ago to actually look at the diversification of the Iron Range. We are a very unique um, agency where our funds come from iron ore mining. So 80 years ago, it was iron ore mining, and we were mining iron ore. Now, and through um, research and the new process that was created, we've been mining taconite. And that's what we use to 
you know, create the steel that goes into our buildings and cars. Um, the Iron Range at this point produces um, around 85% of the nation's um, domestic ore that um, turns into iron and steel. So we're really proud of the contribution that our region has made to the country as a whole. Um, very important to the state and region. And as we go forward, those mines are important. So for 80 years, we've been mining. Um, but the agency's goal, like you said, is to look at diversification as well. Um, our income comes from the production tax from the mines. And there are three iron ranges. There's the Vermilion Iron Range, which is around Ely Tower, the Masabi Iron Range, which is where I live, and that's Virginia and Hibbing and those areas. And then there's the Cuyuna Iron Range, which is in the Crosby-Ironton area. The only current operating iron range is on the Masabi Iron Range right now. We have six um, mines. One of them is currently idled. And we have, um, at this point, around two you know, um, companies that operate these mines, uh, Cliffs Natural Resources, Cliffs, and uh, U.S. Steel. And so those are the, you know, two large partners, right, that are operating mines. There have been other mining operations um, um, that, you know, are currently not operating, like Masabi Nugget. Nugget. Um, but when you talk about in terms of the current operating mines, there's six of them with uh, the fifth one of them being idled currently. Um, and so iron ore mining is very important to our region. Obviously, um, it supports the communities, schools, um, and uh, communities in the area. My guest this uh, segment is Ida Rukavina. She's the commissioner uh, of the Department of Iron IRRB or Triple RB. Um, Ida, as we were talking about the active mines up there, there's obviously been a lot of discussion about new mines, new mining oppor- opportunities. Uh, just last week, uh, President Joe Biden um, issued an executive order related to non-ferrous mining. What's what's your sense of the opportunity for you know new mines on the range, near the range, uh, for things other than iron ore? Uh, yeah, so we are fortunate up here in northern Minnesota to not only be blessed with an abundance of iron ore and taconite, but also um, what's known as the Duluth complex. Um, there's a couple of areas in northern Minnesota that have quite a bit of um, non-ferrous um, uh, minerals available. So copper, nickel, um, you know, there's all of those opportunities and those are, you know, minerals that we use in everyday life and that are needed in particular for the um, upcoming green, um, green energy transition. So when you think of our cell phones, when you think of computers, when you think of, you know, um, all the things that we use in modern day life, and then in addition, future energy needs, such as solar modules and wind turbines, um, uh, EV cars, like the minerals that are needed to create and, and use those things are located here in northern Minnesota. Um, it has been a, a difficult, a long and difficult road, you may say. We have a um, polymet mine, which has been permitted, but is still not up and running, still not operating. They are in, you know, going through uh, some court cases and some struggles there. Um, and you mentioned the federal withdrawal last week. Um, that is for federal lands in the Rainy River watershed. That was a decision that will impact um, the region and specifically possibly the proposed Twin Metals mine, which is outside of the boundary waters um, up near you know, near, near Ely, Minnesota. 
so one of the, I, you know, so, so some of the struggle, you know, there's also Talon, which has been heard about, and that's outside yeah. of Tamarack, Minnesota, and they are getting closer to operations. They actually have a deal with the Biden administration for some funding and some, you know, look at carbon capture and some different things. They're going to look at mining the ore that is there and then shipping that up to be processed out of state. Um, they thought that was a, uh, that was their their plan to uh, go forward at this point. But they are not, they have not received permits. Again, this is in the, you know, they are in the planning stages. Yeah, no, and I, and I raise it because it has become, you know, a regular discussion about um, what is right for the range versus other voices on the range uh, from the cities that really want to kind of not have this non-ferrous mining. As you approach this as a commissioner, can you talk about kind of your views, the administration's views, but kind of how you process these different voices and different uh, opinions uh, and the research around it? I think it's one of the things that hasn't gotten a lot of discussion. And knowing you, I know you've thought about just how you hear these different voices and and points of view and then uh, make sure that it, it comes together. Yeah, it's a really uh, difficult, not easy topic. There's a lot of strong opinions about this. Um, as someone who is from Northern Minnesota, who, you know, my, I will, will tell anyone, you will never hear me complain about the cold because winter is actually one of my favorite seasons. Right now it's still 10 below. Um, yes. So I, as someone who loves winter, I want winter to stay. I love our snow. I love the four seasons. Um, and we live up here for a reason. Those of us who choose to live in Northern Minnesota, we love our region. We love the water. We love our lakes. Um, uh, but we also realize that the rest of the country and the rest of the world needs minerals, needs mining to do everything that we do. Like I mentioned, you know, cell phones, communication, build buildings, build bridges, build roads. Mining is needed. And so we live with the um, reality that we're impacted by it, our families and our communities. We rely on it for jobs, um, but we also want to do it the right way. And our workers, they're there on the front lines. It impacts them, but it impacts our communities. So we're very, um, I would say that people are very dedicated to ensuring that mining happens in the most responsible way. And so when we talk about non-ferrous mining that maybe has not happened yet in our state, it is happening elsewhere. Um, and so when we talk about those possible future um, projects, we want to make sure that we have, when we talk about the administration, we want to make sure that the leaders in charge of the regulating departments that are regulating these mines um, are knowledgeable using scientific facts, using the best knowledge possible so that when and if these projects go forward, um, we're following the best science. And I would say people in northern Minnesota have a lot of uh, trust and faith because a it's their coworkers that work at these mines, um, you know, or are the engineers or are the scientists and the you know experts. Um, we want to make sure it's done the right way, but it is controversial. Um, some people, you know, think there's certain areas that maybe aren't right for mining. Uh, but bottom line is the minerals are where they are. We didn't put them in the ground; they're there. Um, so. When we, when and if we need these minerals, we need to make sure that we're using the best research and science um, so that it can be done in the best possible way. And I think that there's those opportunities are there. Well, I think that's a good summary, just because I think people see headlines, they see kind of the 
the loud voices on both sides, but maybe they don't understand the process. So I appreciate that. Obviously, diversifying the economy away from mining or uh, including mining, uh, not necessarily away from it, has been a goal for a long time. In this kind of phase of life, people are kind of trying to move to more rural areas. They're trying to grow folks, grow economics away, small businesses. They can work from anywhere. What have you seen? Because, you know, as as you know, uh, thanks to your invitation and your previous role, I was up on the range this year a couple times, actually. And um, and and really, you know, the uh, the younger range, the people wanting to have the outdoor experience. Um, I have a classmate who, you know, grew up in the cities and is now in northern Minnesota and loves it and posts about his life every day. Can you talk about, you know, the the magnetism that is life on the range for people who choose that lifestyle? Well, I'd like to say it's the iron or is the magnetism that ties us in. We feel it. <laughs> in our blood it pulls us back um but like you said there's new people that are moving here we really saw that during the pandemic um there were these you know people started to work remote it just came on us at a lot faster rate um and so the workplace changed um people were able to buy houses in northern minnesota and work remote but that's only only if you have broadband and the speeds needed if you're working remote and needed for your type of job so when you talk about diversification on the Iron Range um, and the agency and what we look at, that's one of those things that we've been working on with a lot of different community partners, you know, counties, local governments, schools, uh, broadband, and making sure that our citizens in northern Minnesota have that. Because, again, during the pandemic, students were sent home. A lot of our students do not have access to not high-speed broadband, but internet at all. So, it became a real problem and it's something we're still working on. Um, we want to, again, aligning with the state and federal goals is every resident, regardless of where you live, uh, should have access to high-speed internet. So you can do your studies, your school, and you can work remote. Um, there were certain towns during the pandemic that had houses for sale, you know, in 2019 prior to the pandemic. And during the pandemic, those houses were bought up, right? So we're also faced with people that wanted to move up north or maybe buy a second home. Um, and so we have a housing um, situation in northern Minnesota. And we realize that's not us alone that's facing that. Um, but we are looking into that and supporting additional housing so people can move up. And that's one of the things we hear from employers is that they could hire more people if there were the homes available. So um, it's another um, way that we're uh, addressing diversification and um, growing the economy is looking at housing, broadband, childcare. Another thing that it you know impacts workforce development and our employers is the availability of childcare. Another initiative that our agency has funded and worked with other partners on. Well, and I think that is um, one of the things that I observed uh, last year as I traveled the state. The range is not unique. The issues that uh, Minnesota is facing from childcare to housing um, uh, and broadband are aligned across the state. And I think, you know, those are the kind of common conversations of, of the future of greater Minnesota that, that many people are having. And we always want to kind of amplify here on Sunday take as we close, give us a, give us a couple favorite iron range uh, locations or activities that you uh, think maybe don't get enough attention that if people are coming up this winter or this summer, they should check out. 
Um, sure. Well, I could, I wish we had more time, boys, because well, I feel I know, like we could go on and on. They only give me so much time, Commissioner. I realize, I realize, and there is so much more to talk about. Um, the Iron Range is very unique. We have a lot of small towns that are connected and work in together. So you might have someone that lives in Buell, works in Hibbing. We kind of all go around and we, um, you know, if someone's coming up to their region. We have trails, ATV trails, cross-country ski trails. We have a lot of um, uh, bike trails and including mountain biking. So we have those opportunities for outdoor enthusiasts and our wonderful lakes, fishing opportunities, ice fishing and fishing in the summer. Um, and then we have other unique uh, visitor uh, things like the Sedan Underground Mine. So you can go a mile down under the ground. It's a state park and see what it was like to mine iron ore, you know, 80 years ago. Um, so there's those opportunities. There's Giants Ridge, where we have a wonderful first class, you know, ski resort and golf resort for the summer. Uh, and then we have, you know, again, part of the iron part of our region is the Tuckanet Assistance Area. So we have all almost all of the North Shore Lake and Cook County as well as in part of our um, of our service territories. So we have a lot of unique and different opportunities. Um, and we always invite people to come up um, to visit, but also to consider moving up. When we have the broadband available, we hope that people will consider that. Well, Commissioner, thanks. I know we'll be talking down the line, but I appreciate you joining me on Sunday Take. Thank you so much, boys. When we come back, the take. What were the issues of this week? What are the issues of next week? And what should we say? I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. This week's take is as much about what could happen as about what did happen. Let's talk about the possibilities, the opportunities, the things that we should be optimistic about in Minnesota. The idea that we have this surplus, that we have a great job market for people that should be attractive. And let's think about if everything's got to change and we have to innovate, why wouldn't we also innovate in government and add technology? A couple thoughts about the legislative auditor's report that came out on Thursday that said, once again, state agencies are not instituting the controls and carefulness that is needed with state dollars when they're sent out as grants, when when groups get grants. Then we saw a report from the Campaign Finance Board that Our Streets Minneapolis, a pro-biking group that got city money, was actually lobbying the city and how they weren't registered and maybe they should have been. Look, the activists have the loudest voices. And in some cases, the interest groups that are getting the funds are then in turn using them to lobby or to speak out. It's a cycle that just feels wrong. And one way to stop it would be that if state government is having these issues with controls over state government grants, that they fix those controls. But as we learn from Feeding Our Future, oftentimes it's met with a shrug or a suggestion of partisanship, or somehow there wasn't a mistake or incompetence. Look, accountability is needed, especially if we're going to continue to spend money at the rate this state is spending it, because if there's not accountability, there's not going to be trust. And if there's not trust in government, then democracy will be further damaged.
after all, that is what these debates are about, is do we trust the system and the institution that is government? That trust has slipped. And it's not just because of partisan rhetoric. It's actually because some of the actors are careless or maybe they're nefarious. Or maybe there's a system that just needs fixing, like driver's licenses. I think driver's license for all has been a fine move. It's a overdue. It impacts our economy. It helps us have train drivers with insurance. But we have Minnesotans who can't get a driver's test now. So what's the state going to do to make sure that system works? Again, that's the issue. And then finally, as the legislature moves so quickly on so many of these issues, I want to foreshadow what's going to happen. The bills have been written, they get passed, they get signed, and then it's going to be up to the state agencies to interpret, to activate, to develop these programs, these initiatives, these rules. And if there's not crystal clear legislative clarity, the businesses, the industries, the individuals that are going to have to deal with these new rules are going to wait, and they're going to be further caught up in bureaucracy. There's going to be delays, there's going to be costs. A recent example given to me in Washington state was that they moved quick. They were all excited, but then they didn't give the clarity to the state agency, which then said it needed legislative clarity. And ultimately the initiative that the legislature wanted to pass is further delayed and filled with lawyers and lack of clarity. So look, Democrats have control. They're going to pass these initiatives, but the real cost the real engagement for the businesses, for the people who are going to have to deal with some of this stuff is long in the future. A year, nine months, maybe two years, where a state agency will make these determinations and maybe the legislature and the legislative intent will be different than what the state agency interprets. The time, energy, and lawyering, and public commenting that that takes is exhausting. And if nothing else, it's not one Minnesota. It's not a clear vision. It's a convoluted way of governing for partisan power rather than a Minnesota that works. I'm Blois Olson. The huddle's up next, a week off of NFL football. A hot Timberwolves team and Anthony Edwards getting screwed for the All-Star game. I know they'll have it next on the huddle. Follow us all week at fluence-newsletters.com. I'll be with Vanita Monday through Thursday. Until then, it's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.